Okay, thank you everybody for showing up. Um, we are continuing our class on tefillah, and we are holding in the middle of Yotzer. So Yotzer Or is the first bracha of Kriya Shema in the morning by Shachrit. And we discussed last week the earliest ancient traditions of the Yotzer. And, most, and we analyzed how and why it's possible that a bracha, which is not a Berachas HaMitzvah, would end up being the introductory bracha for Kriya Shema. If you think about it, if one was going to take a, a Torah obligation like Kriya Shema and conduct or create a blessing for it, it should start with Asher Kedoshan However, as we saw last week, the Berachos HaMitzvahs in the style of Asher Kedoshan were not invented, of course, until the time of the later Tanayim. While the bracha of Yotzer is in itself so ancient, that it probably predates the invention of the Asher Kedushan of formula. And therefore, um, where we're holding from last week is that we have seen that the Yotzer blessing is a very ancient blessing. And it's probably um, from the time of the earlier Tanaim, if not even from the time of the Beis HaMikdash itself. Now, it is not a prayer about Kriyashma. It doesn't speak about Kriyashma. Rather, it's a prayer about sunrise, and it is a prayer about starting one's day. This prayer seems to have been the most beautiful one and the one that became the most popular in the time, uh, by the time of Talmud Babli. So that's where we're holding um, from last week. And I want to recap with everybody by... Let me share my screen. Let's, uh, yes, this, apologies, this is a little bit difficult on a, uh, on a single screen laptop, but I would like to recap with everybody the, I'll make it a little bigger, hold up, we're going to get, we're going to get there, one second, there we go, okay, I would like to recap the one of the most important parts that we saw last week, and that was the core text of the Bracha of the Yotzer. I'm sorry if you're listening over audio, but if you're watching the video on Spotify or on YouTube, you'll see in front of you on the presentation a the core text of the Bracha of Yotzer. Now, this is Sadia Gaon's version for Yotzer Liyachint. If a person is, is alone and he doesn't have a tzibur with him, according to Sadia Gaon, he's not allowed to say the Kedusha at all. Instead, he has to say this text of Berchus Yotzer, which omits any middle part of the Yotzer benediction, the Yotzer blessing, which has anything speaking about Kedusha. And let's read it together. Some versions have Kamor That is the entire bracha. Nothing about Kedusha there, nothing about angels. This itself is the whole blessing of Yotzer Ar. Now, later, in the time of the Rishonim, this Gersa was forgotten. In Rafsadi Gon's time, and this is attested to in the Geniza, many people had this Gersa. A lot of people had this written down as their personal Gersa for Yotzer Ar. This is what people would say in the morning. They didn't have a Tzibur especially. This is what people would say all the time. However, um, in later times, in the time of the Rishonim, if you look in the in the in the postgame, like such as the tour in 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 uh, Nuntes, many of the postgame have an abridged version which includes the entire angelic part of Yotzer R. However, it omits parts like 
it, it omits parts like the um the actual words of kadosh 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 hashem sevakot um and in some versions they would just say the omrim kadosh ubaruch and in some of them they would end by i think um by the by, by the second tzibaruch hashem alokenu every rishon had his own way of saying okay well you're not betzibur you don't have a congregation with you so you shouldn't be saying kedusha and they had their own version of an abridged yotzer r but for tonight's study in order to better understand why the Yotzar R is bigger than Rav Sadia Gaon's bracha, and why is Yotzar R the 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 longest bracha that we have, I I want I created for everyone here a a document which will help everybody visualize the uh the Yotzar much better. And I encourage anybody who's listening to the audio to switch to video for a minute because this is a very helpful document. So with Rav Sadia Gaon's Bracha, let me admit, Gary. Um, Rav Sadia Gaon's bracha of Yotzer R is essentially on this document the sections one and sections ten, right? You have Baruch Hashem Akim Achlam Yotzer The first two parts here, the the first part and the last part of the bracha, the Yotzer R, and section ten, Kamoro Silim Gilim Chasto. That's the cortex. That was the original. Everything in between from number two here rubric uh, two, all the way to rubric nine, all of that here surrounds and are accompanying verses to the Kedusha, meaning that the Kedusha is an expansion. And all of these other components here are expansions of the Birchas Yotzer, meaning that the Kedusha is a foreign element to the Bracha of Yotzer. Now, let me just glaze through it with you for, for, a, few, for a few seconds, and we're going we're gonna to understand the most important points here. First of all, as I noted before, Yotzer are the Bracha about sunrise, and the angels have nothing to do with each other. Those are two completely separate topics. So in order to bridge the two topics, it begins with a general term, and it takes a pusik from Tehillim, and it says, Hashem. This is rubric number two. Instead of just speaking about sunrise and the celestial hosts, we make it more general, and we speak about the Malachim and all the other uh, spiritual beings that God created. And then it bridges, the exalted king who, who existed since the time of creation. And it begins talking more specifically about creation and who was exalted from all from that time. But rubric four is very strange. We're gonna have to see that uh study this a little bit later. Rubric four, that's a tachina, that's a petition. For it doesn't seem that there's any great reason for rubric four being there for that section about asking Hashem for mercy, but for some reason it's there, and we'll study that when we get to it. Next is a piot called Kalbarokidoldea, which we're gonna see soon. Then we have two extra sections, one with two tisbarachs, and the next one with a whole bunch of kulams. And all of the kulams introduce how all of the angels together sing to Hashem, and they begin kadosh, 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 and then they switch over about the ofanim instead of the regular malachim. The ofanim say, uh, Baruch HaVod Hashem in Komo, and then you have a, close, a closing with Elkeh Baruch Nimotitein, which talks about the intimacy of God's uh, imminence with mankind. So this is how the Yotzer is expanded with subrubics here, number two, all the way through nine, with a Kedusha interrupting the actual Bracha of Yotzer from section one and section 10. All of these are interruptions in order to, in, to envelope and to bring in the Kedusha into the Birchas Yotzer, which will bring us to our study tonight, which is the Kedusha in general. How in the world are we supposed to understand Kedusha? What is this prayer? Where did it come from? And how old is it? And as everybody here, I'm sure, knows, 
the Kedusha is not one prayer. The Kedusha is multiple prayers. We have a Kedusha Diyotzer. We have a Kedusha de Amida, and we have a Kedusha de Sidra. Anybody who prays every day, we know that there are three different types of Kedusha. So the actual history of the Kedusha is an incredibly complicated and incredibly thorny problem. And the which Kedusha is the earliest and which Kedusha is the latest, which one was, was created first, which one was created second, why it was created, and when it was created, all of these uh, thorny questions... Uh, can take up multiple shurim, and we will spend more time on this, especially as we get to the Kedusha Damida, when we get to the Kedusha de Sidra. But for tonight, we're going to have a very valuable introduction into the main core history of the Kedusha. What is this text? Why is it in Kedusha de Yitzer? <clears throat> and why was it composed? So usually, when we discuss uh, prayer, we don't just ask, uh, you know, why do we say this? We ask, what were the motivations behind this prayer? What was the motivation of not just the Kedusha, but stuffing a Kedusha into the Berchas Yetzer? We have to really pay attention to why would somebody put this idea of a Kedusha, of praising God in an angelic way, into the, um, what's it called? Into the bracha about sunrise. So let's start with the earliest evidence we have of anything called Kedusha at all. And that would be in the Tesefta. The Tesefta Aleph here has a very interesting, um, Septa and Brachas has a very interesting anecdote. It says, Yehuda would respond with the person saying the blessings. We don't know what that means. It could be Kriya Shema, it could be Shemad Esrei. Kadesh, 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 Hashem, Tzavakis, Malay, Chalaris, Kavaydai, and Baruch, Kavayda, Hashem, Mkaymai, Kal Elu, Haya, Rabbi Yehuda, Aymer, Mavarech. Now, Rabbi Yehuda is a later Tana. And it gives us no information about what he's responding, why he's responding, or if there's something called Kedusha. It just says that he responds to the person making a blessing. And we have no actual clear information about what it's actually about what it's talking about. It would seem to be talking about the Kedusha Damida, the Kedusha Shemayn Esrei, since the first part of this section is talking about uh, the Amida. But we just don't actually have any concrete evidence that this itself is talking about an Amida. So we do have a juxtaposition of Kedusha, of this Pasuk in Yeshaya, Kadesh, 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 Hashem, Sevakais. We have a juxtaposition between that Pasuk and Baruch Hu Hashem, which is the Pasuk in Yechazkel. That in and of itself is extremely important. Having this connection between the Pasuk in Yeshaya and the Pasuk in Yechazkel, these two Pesukim, um, this is in itself is a very, is the earliest source we have for something similar to the Kedusha that we have today. We just have no idea what this Tesefta is actually talking about. The next source it's much later. As it's, it's, it's in Talmud Yerushalmi, but it's much more explicit. The Talmud Yerushalmi tells a very interesting story. Interesting story. It says, That a person named uh, Batitai was paralyzed. He was no longer, he, he got frozen up while he was leading the services. And he was no longer able to continue in the section talking about the Ofanim. So what did they do? They came and asked to be Abun. What should we do? The Shiyat Tiber uh, had a stroke. <coughs> What are we going to do? Amar Loner Biavun or Biavun said to them, Let the Shliat Tibur who's going to come and replace him um, continue from where he left off. I mean, lay, they asked to Biavun. Uh, I, we learned that you, that, that you have to start from the bracha where the other person left off. He said, because their ants, they began answering Kedusha, it's as if you started a new bracha. So let him just continue from the next section of Kedusha. This is a very explicit Gemara in the Yushami that in the middle of the, the Kedusha 
of the Amida, since it says over Lefneateva, right? So it says gesture over Tachtav. This is a very clear Gemara, which is talking about a Kedusha by the Amida. And it also mentions the Malachim in the sense that their Gersa by the Kedusha of Amida had a discussion of the Ofanim. This is a very clear source from the Yushami. The next thing we'll see briefly is the Gemara and Brachis. The Gemara Brachis says that Shubh and Levi that uh, that it's talking about when a person comes late, he says if he's able to get up there, if he's able to daven before the Shia Tiber says Kedusha, you should daven, and if not, he should not daven with the congregation. And it also says that for Kedusha, you need 10 people. It doesn't say what Kedusha is. The Gemara and Bavli literally never defines Kedusha. We have no idea if it means Kedusha, the, 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 uh, if it means Kedusha, as we're familiar with it today from the from the Chazar Sashat, or if it means the Brach of Kedusha. So again, a very obscure source, but it's definitely a source for something called Kedusha. Um, okay. So now, if you think about it, in order to associate the Kedusha with, in order to associate the Kedusha with Malachim, sorry, sorry, in order to associate the Kedusha with Yitzer, what you have to say is that there's going to be an association between the malachim, between angels, the heavenly bodies, and the creation of the world and sunrise. You have to say that there is a known theology between angels and sunrise and creation in order to assume that you would have yotzer in, sorry, that you would put a, a kedusha in the yotzer. So we have to ask ourselves now, we have some evidence from the time in the later Tanaim and the time of the Amorim in the fourth century, so roughly second, the end of the second century to the to the end of the fourth century, we have some evidence here that there was something called a kedusha being done, and it had to do with malachim. Okay, but what would be the motivation for putting that into the yotzer if it was in the yotzer by that time? Let, let's let's just make an assumption for for the for the moment. If it was in the yotzer at that time, why would I connect yotzer R with the malachim? You would only connect it if there was a pre-existing theology, if there was a pre-existing understanding, a messiah, so to speak, that that Yitzhar, that the creation of the of the sun and the moon and the creation of the world was closely linked. The celestial hosts were closely linked to the Shira of the Malachim and the service of the Malachim every day. Now, where would we find such a thing? So very early in this research, in the research of Jewish liturgy. A lot of the scholars, such as Shlaim Yehuda Rappaport, who's pictured here, a lot of the scholars um, jumped on the assumption that this was a insertion of the so-called Merkava mystics, the people who believed in or who loved uh, plumbing the depths of the the Sisrei Markavar, the, the hidden depths of the chariot of God, or so to speak, the throne of God. People who were obsessed with either Merkava literature or angel, uh, angel literature, like angelology, the study of angels, these must have been the people who were um, responsible for adding angelic parts into the bracha of Yetzirah. And it, in, in their view, it must have been people who believed that speaking and reiterating the shira of the malachim was a pious thing to do was a sacred thing to do and to know the names of the malachim and to speak about the malachim and to sing the way the malachim do was all part of judaism and was an important part of our avodah so among the tanaim it's very difficult to make a pit to pinpoint who exactly was pro-angelology and who was not 
that's a, a kind of a difficult thing to do around the Tanaim and the Meirayim. Some scholars like to do it by like like uh, Louis Finkelstein, but for the most part, um, the way Shlomi Yehuda Rappaport does it is he brings a fascinating. Um, let me yeah, let me bring let, let me let me pull it up for you on the screen. He brings a fascinating uh, quotation from Yosef from from Josephus, and he believes that the the tefillah of Yotzer R, sorry, that the tefillahs of Kedusha inside Yotzer R, not just Kedusha, but also Amer El and also Keladona Kolamasim, all the parts which are angelic inside Yotzer R, doesn't come from the rabbinic sects. It came from the less educated sects. It came from the sects of Judaism that were not, not rabbinic and were more into angelology than the Rabbanim were, and were more into worship, not worshiping angels, but at least in were much more into uh, emulating angels. Let me show you this quotation here from uh, Josephus. It's a fascinating thing. Here we go. He's, Josephus is giving a testimony here about the Asene sect, the sect of the Asenes. And he says, at, at sunrise, they would arrange the known um, liturgies of their forefathers. On about the topic of the the sunrise and its lighting of the world. It sounds like what Josephus is doing is that he's saying that these Jewish people, the Asenes, would say brachis about the Yitzhira Sa'ar, about sunrise. And everybody knows that the Asenes sect was very into um, knowing the names of the Malachim and praying in the, within the names of the Malachim. So he says it must be. Wow, it's got to be that the Asenes were the ones who created the whole Kedusha of Yetzirah and stripped it into Yetzirah. And all these piyutim, like Kel Baruch and all the insertions into Yetzirah, this was all done before the Hadrianic persecutions in the first century or earlier in the time of the base of Mikdash. Louis Finkelstein goes even further. And, and, and he says that, well, let me just share my screen. Um, I think it was Finkelstein and Ginsburg also likes, Ginsburg also likes this, this theory. But these are two two rabbis who were the uh, the leaders of the, of the conservative movement. So in their research, they really like this theory that it was these these uh, mystics from the time of the Tanoim and from the time of the second base of Mikdash. I believe it was uh, Finkelstein did this in the Rabbi de Tu Juif, and Ginsburg did this in his in his um, in his first book on Geonica. Essentially, what they're saying is that if you look at the Mishnah and Tamid, they don't mention anything about a kedusha in the base of Mikdash. So most likely, they believe, or Shalim Yehuda Rappaport is right, that, that it was the mystically inclined and the, the, the people who were, who were all into angels who did put this in. However, um, first of all, the Kehadim would have never accepted it because the aristocracy was, you know, the aristocracy was rabbinic, the aristocracy was conservative. They would have never allowed something um, into the Tzvilais, especially into Tzvilais and Beis Amikdash, which had schmecks of, you know, which had a, traces of of angelic worship or angelic emulation in it and therefore it must have been rejected by the, by the kehanim but just from the from the character of the tfilis both of them see it as being very early they think the kedusha was invented and put into the into the into the yitzer from the earliest stages and this was an innovation not from the rabbis but from the popular masses who liked praying with the song of the angels, and eventually became popular enough to emulate the angels in prayer that it became a standard part of the Yetzer. This was the theory among many scholars <clears throat> for a very long time. It wasn't until 1969 
that Ezra Fleischer, who was the uh, the the Titanic uh, scholar of 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 Piot, pushed back against this a little bit. He said, "Well, first of all, uh, take a step back. Two things. First of all, the whole many people have built all sorts of towers around around this belief. They believe, first of all, it must have been created in Eretz Yisrael, and it must have been created in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, and it must be people who are all into the Merkava." Uh, at this, well, I should say at least the angelic literature. He says, if you speak to Gershom Sholem, who was the 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 the, the great uh, scholar of Kabbalah, he takes a look at the Sifrei Haichalais, and he's not sure that they were composed when people think they were composed. Some scholars, what they did was is that they said, you know what, this is not quite angelic mysticism. This is not the Asenes, but this is. The Gaonic mystics, the people who wrote the, the Sifrei Heichales, says, oh, well, hold your horses. First of all, we don't know for sure when the Sifrei Heichales were written. Gershom Sholem believes they were written in the time of the Tanaim, the middle uh, uh, generations of the Tanaim. And second of all, we find many places that Chazal themselves speak about the Malachim and the Shirais of the Malachim, and it's not uh, mystical at all. They're not talking about Kabbalah. They're just talking about the Shirais of the Malachim. One of the very important makayers for this is Gemar and Chulin. And I, I hope I could find it fast enough to share it with you. Yes, I opened it. Hold on. Let's let's learn this Gemara together at the bottom. We'll just we'll 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 look at it for a second. The Gemar and Chulin is speaking about how Malachim can say the name of Hashem after three three words, Kadesh, Kadesh, Kadesh Hashem while people can say it after one word, we, uh, two words. This is a famous Gemara when it talks about how Yaakov Avinu defeated the angel. And the angel says, I have to go back to Shemayim. So to skip all of that, uh, just in the interest of time, at the ba- on the bottom here it says, Right? So the, it says that the, the angels took turns and each one says a different level of Kedusha. So the Gemara says, Aye, There's the next section of Baruch um, sorry here. Baruch Vayda Shemim Let me just go here. So Gemara says, um, Baruch Ifanim Hudamrile. No, they do say Baruch after uh, the the Kadesh Kadesh Kadesh, but that's the Ifanim, not the original Malachim. Therefore, they can say the Shem Hashem after two words instead of after three, which shows you that the Gemara already, by the way, understood that Kedusha and Baruch are associated, which is a slightly later source than the Tesefta, but it also shows you that the Gemara, has, which is not mystical, has no Kabbalah, has no problem talking about Kedusha and Baruch together, and has no problem talking about such things as, as the Malachim. So he has, he, he pushes back up against this whole idea that it must have been pre-Hadrianic, or it must have been either to say that it's so early that it's from the base of Mikdash, or to say that it's so late that it's time from the time of the Gaonic mystics, because it's Merkava literature. He says, calm down, we don't have to say that it was mystics who put it in. We don't have to say that it was really late or really early. We could put it to the time of the later Tanaim or to the or to the time of the middle generation of Tanaim. It doesn't have to go back so far. Okay, that was um, so far the pushback from from Ezra Fleischer. So where does that leave us now? Where that leaves us now is to look at external sources. Let's try to look at sources that aren't Jewish because. The earliest um, Christians were Jews. And if we take a look at their prayers, we can see that 
these um, Jews were developing their own prayers that were trying to become their own religion. They, they were trying to develop their own prayers for their own religion. But being Jews, they were borrowing liturgy from, from liturgy that they already knew. And by studying the early Christian liturgy, one can see in it very uh, large telltale signs that the earliest Christians knew and were very familiar with the Kedusha. The, the Kedusha. So now, nobody really has been uh, smart enough or brave enough to do a comparative liturgy, a comparative study between the liturgy of Christians and the liturgy of Jews. It's in order to know a lot about the, the liturgy of Jews, you have to live a lifetime as a Jew. You have to know everything there is, you know, this year especially is geared towards people who, who daven uh, fairly frequently. And if you daven fairly frequently, you would know the ins, ins and outs of Jewish liturgy. And to be an expert in Jewish liturgy is a decades long, um, uh, what's it called, profession, let alone to be a, a, a scholar of Christian liturgy would also be a decades long profession. So very few people have been brilliant enough or smart enough or knowledgeable enough to do a comparison between Jewish and Christian liturgy. One person attempted, his name was Eric Werner, and he wrote a, a book called The Sacred Bridge. He happened to be a brilliant scholar from Hebrew University, uh, sorry, from uh, JTS. And um, again, it's a flawed work because you can't be an expert in everything, but it was it's a good, it's, it's an excellent try. And have, having uh, dipped his toe in both, he does come away some, with some very important uh, conclusions. And I'm just going to reference his work here. Um, I have this book at home uh, just for the, the basic core here to tell you what we need to know and we'll move on. So there's something called the Apostolic, uh, how do I pronounce this? I'm sorry, Apostolic Constitutions, which is an early church document. I just stole this thumbnail from YouTube. Apologies to YouTube. Um, and in the Apostolic Constitutions, which is a fourth century text, we find a prayer called the Prayer of St. James. And I took out all the parts here because this is a base medrash and a Jewish shul. We're not going to put in all the, uh, you know, the Jesus stuff. Just apologies to anybody who's not Jewish and is listening. We just have to cut all that stuff out. But here we have in here in the prayer of St. James, you have something which absolutely parallels Yitzhak. This is from the fourth century. And this is a very early clue that the Kedusha of Yitzhak was known to the Jewish people or the non-Jewish people who were the early Christians. If you look in this, this long prayer of St. James, you have, for he, for you are he who framed the heaven as an arch and stretched it out like the covering of a tent and founded the earth upon nothing by your mere will and who fixed the, per, the, firmament, uh, who fixed the firmament and prepared the night and day who brought out the light of your treasures and on its departure brought out darkness. You could already hear you could hear exactly what they're saying. And then in the next part here, I'm going to skip to the bottom with constant loud voices and let all the people say it with them. Holy, 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 Lord of the host, heaven and earth are full of his glory. Um, be, be blessed forever. In the Hebrew, it would be amen amen. And afterwards, let the high priest say, meaning the person who's leading the services should say, uh, for you are most uh, are truly holy and most holy, the highest and most holy, uh, highly exalted forever. Now I should point out here, just a diok, uh, a little bit of a diok here. Is that they, their girsa here is not Malaychala Aretz Kivaydai. Theirs is Malaychala Aretz Vishamayim Kivaydai. They get this from somebody named Clement of Rome. Clement of Rome was the bishop of, of, of Rome in, in the first century. And he changed the Pasuk in, Yisa, in, Pasuk in Yeshaya. When he mentions the Pasuk in Yeshaya, he says, Kaddish, 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 Hashem, Sevakais, Malaychala Aretz Vishamayim Kivaydai. And that's because of their own ways of believing the way Yeshu 
uh, the way Jesus, uh, they believed, caused redemption, etc. So they changed the Pusik. They changed the way it is. So we could see that, first of all, Clement of Rome saw that saying the Kedusha three times, or, or sorry, mentioning the Kedusha was an important part of his, of his theology. But already by the fourth century, we see that Christians are adopting prayers which are so similar to Yitzer, um, that it's impossible to ignore this evidence that there was a Kedusha, that the Jews were aware of something like Kedusha de Yitzer in their time. This is almost explicit evidence of such a bracha in that time. Even though we don't have a Gemara about it explicitly, there's no Gemara which has anything like a Kedusha de Yitzer. The external evidence gives us a very good shot that 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 this is real and and this is something that uh, that existed in their time. Okay. Now let's move a little bit forward. We're running out of time. It's already 9.20. Oh, and I should also mention that there's, um, till today, there's two prayers that the Christians say in, um, I, I wrote this down because I don't know what any of this means, but I'll tell you the words. One of them is called the Trisagio and the other one is called the Sanctus. And uh, the, the, the the Christian liturgy liturgical scholars, <laughs> they got into a fight with the Jew. Not a fight really, but it was... Uh, kind of like a disrespectful disagreement in the early 20th century because the Jewish scholars of liturgy did their own research and the Christian scholars of liturgy did the, their research and the Christian scholars wanted to basically show, to push the primacy and the superiority of the, of the Sanctus and the Trisagion as these being the real, the, the, the real prayers and the Jewish scholars are like respectfully you guys don't know what you're talking about because you don't understand Kedusha de Yitzer um, and and it went kind of back and forth, uh, essentially. But uh, some of it got a little bit uh, shoots, uh, sh shots across the bow. But essentially, um, essentially, till today, the the Kedusha, so to speak, is a core part of Christian liturgy. And the Syriac version of it, I think they call it Kurbono uh, Kadisha in the Syriac. They call it literally the Korban Kadosh. They put it in their liturgy, Adi Emazeh. Because they literally got it from us. There's no, there's really no denying that the that the Christian liturgy today, which puts such an emphasis on the thrice holy, on saying holy three times, comes from the Jewish sources. But thanks to these sources, the Christian sources, we know that Kedusha de Yitzer was in existence well before the fourth century. So we don't have any Jewish sources for it. We don't have any Jewish sources to prove to us that Kedusha de Yitzer is that early, but we definitely have external sources that Kedusha de Yitzer is very early. Okay. Now, everybody agrees. Ah, uh, give me a second. So, as I mentioned earlier, exactly which Kedusha was the earliest is a matter of debate. It gets very thorny, and we're not going to get into the to the complexities about which Kedusha came first: Kedusha Damida, Kedusha Yates, or Kedusha de Sidra. But one thing we do know, and that is that the Jews of Eretz Yisrael those who followed them in Hagam of Talmud Yerushalmi, those Jews did not say the Kedusha every day. They only said the Kedusha, both of, of Shemayi and the Kedusha of Yetzer, they only said it on Shabbat and Yom Tov. While the Jews of Babel would say Kedusha of Yotzer and Kedusha of Amida every single day. We know this from a famous document called the document of Pirkoi ben Baboy. Pirkoi ben Baboy was a scholar who was a student or a disciple or a disciple of a disciple of Rav Yehudai Gaon, one of the Gaonim who ruled in the 760s. So Pirkoi ben Baboy sends a whole letter to the community in, in Eretz Yisrael disputing so many of their minhagim and, and trying to uh, 
uh, argue for the supremacy of the Torah of the of the Jews in Babel. And one of his arguments is that you all you're all making a mistake, and all of your communities, at least the ones that aren't, haven't been affected by our supreme better uh, liturgies. Um, most of your communities are still um, saying Kedusha Dietzer and Kedusha Damida. I'm sorry, he only mentions Kedusha Damida, but Kedusha Damida only on Shabbos and Yom Tov, and it's a big mistake. This teaches us that in his time, in, this, in the late 700s or the early 800s, and we also know this from the Sech Seifram, so it could be even earlier, that was their minig. So now, if it if the Jews in Eretz Yisrael weren't saying it daily, and the Jews in Babel were, this tells us something about its evolution. Either it started in Shabbat and then evolved to the daily usage, or it was daily, and then they took it out of of the of Chol because they real they decided it should be more Kadosh and only be for Shabbat. It's not clear. It tells us something about its evolution. It's just not clear exactly what it tells us about its evolution. We do the the the, the fact that it's not there by the by the by the Jews of Israel, but it is there by the Jews of Babel. It tells us something, but exactly what it tells us. We don't know. It could be that they felt it was more kadosh, or it could be that that uh, the Bavliim. Some some people put it this way: they say, "Well, it originated in Eretz Yisrael, then it migrated to Bavel and it became much more popular and much more important to Bavel, and then it got pushed back to Eretz Yisrael, and they forced the Bnei Eretz Yisrael to start taking on the minig of saying kedusha damida every day." That's that's one way of putting it. Now, everybody agrees that Kedusha Vyetzer is really old. Let's, let's, uh, we've gotten to that point in this year where we could all agree that it's definitely earlier than the 4th century, possibly as early as, as the 3rd or 2nd century. Now, that's very nice. So Kedusha Vyetzer is really, really old. But the Kedusha, the way we have it in our bracha, almost everybody agrees that the way we have it is later. It's probably from the four or five or six hundreds where the Kedusha, the way we have it, developed and evolved. It's not as early as the Beis HaMikdash or the, or the mid-century, the, the middle generations of the Tanoim. Almost everybody agrees on that, simply because of the earliest languages we have of it in the Geniza, and and we're running out of time, time here, but because of many of the earliest versions we have of it in the, have of it in the Geniza, and especially the versions of 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 uh, of Sadiagain, which I wish I could pull up in time, but we we have enough evidence to convince us that our version is not the oldest version. So let's begin with an example here. First of all, take this for an example. By the time of the Sefer Itim, who lived in the 12th century, who's a Rehuda Barzilai, the Sefer Itim says that all of those people who add the piyutim on Shabbos, or they add the piyut or they add the piyut of all of those people are making a huge mistake. You cannot allow to add piyutim into a text which Chazal made a takana for, and he says that anybody who does that is saying a hefsik, and they should say it outside of Yetzirah, Say it before, if you have to say it, say it before the bracha and say the bracha separately. It seems that, just as an example, I'm giving this here as an example, that already by the 12th century, the, the Spanish Jews consider the Yetzirah, the at least the way we have it today, to be already a set text, a fixed text from the time of, from the, from the time of the Nachikness, Sagadayla, and anybody who was adding these other piyutim, these Shabbos editions, was making a huge mistake. While it's hysterical that Rabbi Yudha Barzilai himself doesn't see this, 
that the Piyot of Kalbarokadoldea is also a later edition. And it's clear from, from the from the manuscripts of the Geniza, and it's clear from just looking at the at the bracha itself that it's a later edition. So it's very interesting that we we um we have all sorts of different layers added onto the Kedusha that weren't necessarily um part of the original cortex. So there's something called, and we have three minutes left to talk about this, but in the history of the Bracha of Yetzer, there's a body of Putim called the Yetzeris. There's a book called right? The Yetzeris in their, in their development and evolution by Ezra Fleischer. And essentially, this, this book here is a study, and the, the, the best study, on this type of Piet genre called the Yetzeris. And what I want to demonstrate moving on with next week is how most of these expansions of the bracha of Yetzer, that we, and the way we have Yetzer art today, most of these expansions are remnants of poetic expansions from ancient, ancient um, piyuta. So let's just take one, for example, that Ezra Fleischer shows. Um, let's take Kel Baruch Gidoldea, right? Kel Baruch Gidoldea is a... Do I... Uh, hold up. Let me see if I have it in front of me. Yeah, let's divide it by subrubric. Let's um, let me share my screen one more time. Sorry to anybody listening. Okay, so Kel Baruch Gedoldea is a quatrain. It's a it's a it's a poem with which is basically split into four sections per stanza. Kel Baruch Gedoldea Echinu Faal Zarechama. Right now, the exact language of it maybe we'll discuss a little bit more next week if we have time. But essentially, the what Ezra Fleischer demonstrates in his book on Yetzirah that I just showed is that there are the earliest, earliest Yetzirahs, the Yetzirahs that were that were done by the pre-classical Paitanim, were in this form. And we have Piyutim like this, like Tikanto Shabbat or Tzita Korban Or let's take one that's 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 a brother or a sister to um, to Kalbaruch uh, Give me a second here to pull it up for you. There's a bracha called a sher, sorry, a piyot called a sher of chachma. Some of the versions in the Cairo Geniza, instead of saying al Shavat, they have this. A sher barov chachma gedula darash hechin veetkin ziv chamato tipecha yemino kechuvei levana moarne rose sacholamo poalei tzedek kirovei rachamav shir tishbachot shorulam alkam. Also, an alphabetic acrostic. It goes through the aleph base. It's also a quatrain of four. And we have many, many of these types of, not many. I would say. Uh, maybe a dozen of these types of piyutim from the Kairogeniza, which are from the earliest, earliest types of Yetzirah. This is from the pre-classical era, from the time of Yesi Berb or earlier, from the 5th century or earlier. So because he sees, for just for an example, Kel Baruch Doldea, since it matches the pattern of all of these other piyutim, it must be that it's from a Yetzirah, from the earliest Yetzirahs, from the 5th or the 6th century for Kriyashma. Just give me one second to pause the recording. Um, give me a second. Uh, sorry to anybody listening. We, we, we've run out of time here, so I'm just going to end with this really quickly. Um, essentially, his points are twofold, and we'll, we'll recap this next week. The the This was clearly written in Eretz Yisrael because the birth of Piet was in Eretz Yisrael. 
And therefore, if we see that Kel Baruch Adoldea is, a, is an early piot from Eretz Yisrael, it must be that Kel Baruch Adoldea, which is an early Yotzer, it's a remnant of an early Yotzer, must be that Kel Baruch Adoldea was actually written for Shabbat. Because they only said Yotzer on Shabbat. And they only did Kedusha on Shabbat. They, so therefore, because it's a Yotzer, which is written to introduce a Kedusha, right? It ends with Kvod Kelo Kedusha To. Therefore, clearly, Kel Baruch Doldea, just as an example for tonight, is a remnant of the Otros, and it was originally written for Shabbat. So we're going to get into the exactitudes more of that next week. Bezat Hashem. Thank you, everybody, for your time and attention. And I hope we've enlightened a little bit of the earliest history of the, of the, um, of the Yotzer. And I think besides just those, those core texts, Bezat Hashem, we will also, besides those core texts, we will also... Um, try to examine some of the theologies which are in it because tonight we've been mostly mostly on the history. But if we can, as we go through those yotzeros and we go through the different components of yotzer arshal chol and of Shabbat, we will hopefully uncover some of the uh, depth of this text because there is again layered meaning and we do have to discuss it. So, Hashem, we will catch you all uh, next week and let me stop the recording now.